Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to the Sunday Recap. So glad that you're here with us today. I'm here with our regular cast of characters, Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. How's it going this morning, you guys? I always answer first. It's your turn. You <laughs> What's go up, next. people? Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. So Mitch is here drinking a cup of black coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, like a real man. So honestly, <laughs> do you do you always drink your coffee black, did, or did it start that way? Did you start with like you know four creams, two sugars, and then it kind of like slowly got to black? No. Or wh- what happened with you? I went all in, man. Went really? straight with the yeah. black. I'm very strict. I've gone through my drinking habits in here, which sounds awful. So I need to probably uh, clarify, clarify what that, that means. That, yeah. But um, no, I so I went used to only drink coffee in the winter, and I would only drink it when I was tired. Uh-huh. That's where it began. Always just black coffee. Now I've moved to pretty much a Monday through Friday coffee drinker. I only drink coffee. It's the only liquid that will touch my lips before noon. Then I drink no <laughs> coffee the rest of the day. Okay. So you have rules. Yeah, you don't remember. So early, early on in our podcast journey, I think I shared with everybody how I would drink coffee till a certain portion of the day. Then I would drink Powerade like in the evening, and I would only drink water in the afternoon. Yep. Yeah, I do system. remember that. That was way early in the podcast. That yeah. was when we were still at home and we yeah, were doing this. I think this we all- were home. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, I that. yeah. So black coffee till noon. Wow. That's how we roll. Okay. Like okay. a real man. Are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't start drinking coffee until I had my third child. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it was out of exhaustion. But um, my mother-in-law had come to stay, and we had a coffee maker. We just pulled out when she was here because my my husband right. doesn't drink it either. Yeah. Um, and I would I just tried it one day when she had it, and I was like, oh, this makes me feel so much better. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I had to work myself up, though, to, to black. Sure. I used to do the cream and stuff. But you know what? Then... You, like the sugar and the cream, it gives you this like nasty taste in your mouth, yeah. and then you have sweaters on your teeth. And I was like, <laughs> sweaters on black your teeth. is just where it's at because then you still feel the a way, little bit. The way you talk clean. about working up to it puts this image in my head. And <laughs> so, <laughs> have you guys seen this? This is totally off the rails. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Have you seen they make this thing that you can potty train your cat? Have you seen this? No. Yeah. So so you're talking about working up to coffee and it reminds me of this visual. So they make these rings and you put them in the toilet. Okay. Yep. And so they start off and there's like, it's like a bucket in the bottom. So your cat's just literally going to the bathroom on top of the toilet. But then over time you remove these rings to where the cat gets more and more comfortable that it literally can go to the bathroom in the toilet. Huh. So you could just walk by your bathroom and the cat's just stand on top of the toilet going to the bathroom. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's well, that is what I would say is the visual this week's for what Sunday it's recap like to work to black is coffee. Brought to you by caddypotty.com. Look them up, man. I'll tell you it's a real <laughs> thing. You like get the rings farther and farther and farther, and then if your cat's uncomfortable, you can put one ring back in. I've never, I've never nice. even known a cat in my life. I just I've seen yeah, this. That's fascinating. That's stupid. <laughs> just open the door. <laughs> Let well, the cat that's out. What, yeah, that's what some people do, but I think it's I think it's better than a litter box. It's, yeah, you're right. It's better. I mean, but I'll tell it. you, like, if we're going to get real TMI right now, we don't scoop. We have a litter box. We don't scoop. We so what just, do you just leave the poop? We empty it. Oh. We, we <laughs> do like, not reuse litter. We just empty it all in the trash. And, oh, like, oh. That gets expensive. It I does. Too, yeah. I thought you were saying you just, we just cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> just bury it. We Put just move, we just move the litter box around the house until it doesn't <laughs> smell anymore. <laughs> but oh, our, kid, our cat is an indoor-outdoor cat, so she doesn't use the litter box all the time. So most of the day she's outside. And yeah. It's just there in case she needs to go during the night. Totally. That's cool. Well, hey, just want to let you know about uh, something that's coming up here. Uh, This next week, actually, we are uh, launching our Wednesday night class offering. So actually, 
let me take that back. This is coming out on Wednesday. And so tonight is uh, the beginning of women's ministry uh, that's uh, starting out uh, this evening. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, or maybe happen or, wherever you listen to it. That's right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. totally. So, uh, women's ministry, the Ezra study is starting, uh, this is the, f- like, what September is it? 1st, September 1st. Mm-hmm. Right. And then next week on the eighth, we have a whole bunch of other things that are, that are beginning. And so, um, yeah. so there's, um, let's see mom's crossing, of course, um, uh-huh. uh, the men's ministry fight club, that one's starting the classes that are going on. You know, the one that's actually filling up right now is the Exodus study. Mm-hmm. We've got a pretty good number of people great. that are joining that one, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Brian O'Malley has written a great class on this. We met about this the other day. It's so good. Um, so, uh, you got a last name like O'Malley. I mean, how do you not want to, Oh, right. Yeah. Just O'Malley wanna, the alley cat. Just want to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's going to appreciate this. <laughs> Um, but anyway, next week, this is all this is starting. Oh, and re-engage re-engage is another one to check Mm -hmm. out. So look, if you have not signed up for one of our classes or large group studies, um, this is really a great uh, time to do that. This is the last week before all these things are getting started. So sign up, you can go online to, uh, stonescrossing.com slash what is it? Next step. Next step. Right? Next it's, step. It's singular, right? Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Correct. Stonescrossing.com slash next step. Look, I don't even work here. and I. <laughs> <laughs> Two days removed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can go on online. You can read all about all of the different offerings that we have and sign up right there. We would love to see you there. Well, let's go ahead and dive into what we're talking about today. We uh, So this was the last sermon in the series of Gods and Kings, right? And uh, so, so this is, he called this the gospel according to Elisha. I would say too, this is a really awesome, straightforward gospel message. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, w- when you look at all that's laid out here in Second Kings 5, the story of Naaman and everything, I mean, yeah, this is, there's gospel all over this, um, which is pretty cool. Um, ultimately, let's, let's just kind of start here. When we talk about grace, um, what is grace? Let's just kind of start with this because, I mean, this is something that, I mean, we talk about, we talk about grace. We've, we've talked about it like every week on the podcast, all that stuff, but can we have like some sort of just clear definition? What, what, when we're talking about grace, what exactly are we saying? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Yeah. Unmerited favor. Yeah. Yeah. So meaning, meaning what? Let's, let's just kind of unpack what that that looks like. So if God is giving grace, if he's the one extending grace, then, um, it's the favor of God without any merit or work on on the part of the person receiving it. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like a one-sided covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that is given to you that you did absolutely nothing to earn. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we talk about the grace of God in that sense, what are some of the implications of that for our life? Like, how does that affect us in a way where we're where it actually changes us. And why is it that, that that grace like that changes us? I think because it's just so so unheard of and so crazy to um, grasp, especially for people who are used to making deals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in the American context, we don't get a lot of things for free. We, right. we work hard for them, and then we just assume, okay, I earned this, and so therefore look yeah. at what I have because I did all this work mm-hmm. to get it. Yeah. Um, very... Very few Americans are okay with being served and having things given to them yeah. um, if they're truly honest. Right. Yeah. I remember um, a couple of years ago in, in missions world, there was a lot of discussion around like grace, justice, and mercy. 
and just the different kind of ministries that God does, and he uses his church to accomplish these things. But it's like, you know, I think we often think of grace as justice. You know, God extends it to us because we did something to earn it, or God's making it right, <laughs> you know, yeah. which that's not what grace is. Yeah. Like, it's just something that God completely extends to us, you know, um, by his own doing, by his own power. Even God's mercy and, say, compassion is because he sees something and he says, oh, I need to do this, <laughs> you know, right. where grace is just God's doing it because that's who he is. That's mm-hmm. what he's decided to do, and you did nothing to earn it. Yeah. So that's why it's such a powerful imagery, because it even goes beyond God just doing what's right. Yeah. You know, it's even God doing what sometimes we would maybe deem observably isn't right, (laughs) you know, but God's extending it to us. um, And he's not doing it even just out of his compassion. He is, but it's, it's extended because God is gracious. He gives it to us. We did nothing to earn it. Right. Um, So So it's like an overflow of what he Mm -hmm. already is in in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, and I think this was a really good thing, grace, justice, mercy, right? So, but let's just take the the two, those two terms, grace and justice. And those things seem to be in in some ways pitted against each other, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so like um, grace cannot be just or cannot, can't can't be justice in the sense because justice means you earn it. Like if you earn if you do something evil, you earn punishment for that. If you do something righteous, you earn favor for that or whatever. So unmerited favor is 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 not justice. Mm-hmm. But can those two actually work together? Is grace unjust at that point? Ooh, that is a deep question. It's what we do here, folks. Yeah, because I mean- you gotta work, <laughs> you gotta work backwards. I think from from the justification idea of like what we do deserve, like. Yeah from Adam and Eve's sin, you know, we, all humanity deserves earned death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God extends grace that is salvific. And then even beyond that, Oh, I'm thinking out loud. Go ahead, Mitch. No, you look no, like you I'm with say you. Stuff. I mean, no, great. Grace is, grace is just because God is the one who's extended it just to use the language you just used. Uh-huh. Um, I think where it becomes unjust is when we begin to switch the judge and that's when we're reminded you know, okay, who is actually the authority of all things? So if we switch the judge and we make, okay, the court is the judge, you know, the American legal system, then we would say, okay, God's extending grace to somebody to live eternal life who's committed a crime against society. We would go, that's unjust within the legal system. Like, like we would, like we would look and we would say, well, that's not right. Like they need to pay the crime for what they did, which they do have to pay the earth's crime. Yeah. But God's system goes outside of that. So he's not looking at, the legal system, um, God being just, um, God seeking justice, he is the extender of grace. And so that's where it gets like a little tricky, but it's like, I think anytime we try to make ourselves the one to determine, okay, what's just and what's not, then we're going to look at God and we're going to say, well, you can't do this and you can't do this. You can Mm -hmm. save this person and you can't save this person. Right. They did this thing wrong and this crosses the line versus this crosses the line versus actually saying, okay, God is the author. He's the authority. And then, therefore, we look to God, and because God extends grace, therefore it's just. Yeah, and part of That's, I, it's kind of a circular well, argument. Yeah. But. Well, I would say, but part of the even the problem with with that thinking yeah. is that's where, I think that's where our mind goes. But the problem with that thinking is that we forget ourselves, and that yeah. we've actually offended the God of the universe right. as well. So when it if if we're asking God for justice to to be you know give a blanket justice, that means no one's going to heaven. All things like, are destroyed. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, which yeah. which I think this week in our so this week in our middle school ministry, this is one of the things that I think was more obvious than I've ever noticed. So we we were teaching through Genesis three, mm-hmm. and we were looking at the actions of Adam and Eve and making sure they understood it in the terms of its 
a narrative that's explaining them, but also that there's some reflections of how we do this in our life. So we see when God sees Adam and Eve in the garden, the first thing that they do is, well, they're, they're trying to hide from God. <laughs> you know, and then the second thing they do is they blame each other. Mm-hmm. You know, well, well, she, you know, Adam blames Eve, and then Eve blames the snake. And then the third thing they do, there's consequences for their actions. You know, and so we're telling these middle schoolers, we're like, okay, like this is the story. This is what happens to them in the garden. But all of these things, like you, you have things you're hiding from people, right? Mm-hmm. That you probably should tell them. You know, just as obvious baseline. Why as you are you go. looking at me? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's actually what we said. I said, I said, I've never had less eye contact from a room than okay. I did that week. Sure. You know, and it's like you, you blame people for things that you know you were responsible for, right? Yeah. You know, and so I know that's super simplistic, but it's it's like you said, we're we're missing the picture that sometimes, yeah, we we are caught in the same sin Absolutely. of our own. Absolutely. Um, and we look at these stories and we go, I wouldn't do that. It's like, no, we do. You do. We do. <laughs> You're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. And it's, and that's the thing is like, I, I think when it comes to this unmerited favor of God, we can't understand completely the depths of, of what that means because right. we don't understand the depths of our sin in, the, yeah. in, in that sense. So, so to know all that we've been forgiven from is, is really impossible. Um, uh, you know, it won't be till we get to heaven and we actually can see all that God has done, you know, <laughs> that, that we're, that and, we'll be and like, that's why like simply incredible. put the, the, the judge just to, to kind of go the full language, the judge is gracious. Yeah. And we understand that. Yeah. <laughs> we understand that to be a part of his character. Yeah. yeah. The, other, the other thing I think about that too, is like, God is really gracious to us in that he doesn't, uh, reveal to us mm-hmm. all the things that we do all at once. Oh my goodness. You know, can, can you imagine like you become a Christian, all of a sudden you're aware of everything that you're doing. I mean, I mean, like you'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm the worst person ever. Oh, like, I can, I can you know? handle that in the small scale. You know, <laughs> I'm four years into marriage, and when my wife comes around and I'm like, and she like says, hey, can you do this thing? I'm like, yeah, but you missed the four or five things that I thought I did. And then she'll be like, yeah, but there's like 50 things that you missed that I didn't tell you about. Right. And like, yeah. I can't handle the small scale. I can't imagine God. Yeah. And thank you for your, you're just like Jason, thank you for that grace to me right now. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine dealing that with God. <laughs> yeah. You know? Can I go back to your original question, yeah. Chris? Did you ask, is it unjust of God to extend grace? Right. And that is, that's some deep stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, you can't take two of God's attributes and pit them against each other. Right. So yeah, let's chat about that a minute. <laughs> so the way that I've heard this explained is is that there's a difference between unjust and what we would call like non-justice, uh-huh. right? And so grace is not unjust. Uh, it, it, it's it's different. It's a different category than what justice is, but it's non-justice, uh-huh. right? Would you also pull in the fact that he is completely just in this situation yes. because of his wrath poured out on Christ? There you go. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so justice is always done in God because God is just. God is justice, right? Right, and so so justice must be done. So if we have offended God, uh, which we all have, rebelled mm-hmm. against Him against His holy will then that means justice must be done. And that's why Christ went to the cross. Like he went to the cross to to, to be just, um, to, to, to be a to, propitiation. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we're going to use a fancy <laughs> All right, but, propitiation, let's but Romans, it. But Romans 8, right? So yeah. Romans 8 really gets to that. And he just says like, God is both just and the justifier of sinners. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and that's that's the whole point. So. Ooh, some systematic theology this morning. <laughs> this is great. Yep. Yeah. 
Second Kings. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so now let's get into the story. So ah, yeah. th this is really broken up into some different chunks. So let's just read um, verses one through five. Mitch, I'm going to call on you. Yeah, you I think I've got it, it in five. I'll read it. it. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me if I'm not reading the right thing because I'm going to read where he's got it broken up first. Okay. Okay. I'm on the notes. Yep. All right. All right. Verse one. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would, the Lord, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Awesome. All right. So this section is setting up a lot of stuff that's going on in the story. So first you have the setup of who Naaman is, right? So Naaman is the, uh, you know, he's the commander of the army of Syria. Um hugely powerful position that he holds. He's called a mighty man of valor. That's a really interesting um, uh, title that, that the mm -hmm. passage is giving. He's probably got some guns. Uh, right. Totally. <laughs> well, and that, and that title is used um, for um, David and his, and his people, right? Okay. Uh, his mighty men. They're, yeah. they're called that. So, so this is, this is a really interesting title that he's being given here in scripture. Um, one of the things that's happening here too is, you know, you, you, you hear about this little girl and this little girl, um, she is a captive of the Syrian army who went into Israel. So, so just a little background. So like this is happening during the time when the Northern kingdom of Israel and the Southern kingdom of Judah have split. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and the capital of the Northern kingdom is Samaria. So when she mentions Samaria, she's talking about the capital of the Northern kingdom of Israel. So she says, you know, she's this little girl, she's been taken captive. She's working in, in the household of Naaman, working with uh, Naaman's wife. And, um, and she just basically is expressing faith in this in this little passage here where she says, like, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him. It's like, okay, wow. Like, I mean, she's really expressing this, this faith. Um, and so they kind of put the ball in motion. They're, they're saying, okay, well, let's figure this out. Let's see if we can make this happen. Now, what Scott talked about here was that grace is shareable, must be shared uh, really by every believer in that sense. Um, my question with this, though, is, why is it not like there are fears that stand in the way of people when they, when they come at, when they come out to talk about um, God and things like that. But when you just look at what she did here, she didn't, you know, she didn't have a ton of theology or, or, or uh, have all the answers. She was just expressing faith. So what are the fears that we normally wrestle with? How do we kind of overcome that um, to kind of come to this place where we can actually talk to people about just the faith that we have? I think one fear is just feeling like we don't have um, like a commonality or an in or an invitation to be able to to say those things. Yeah. Um, but what she did here was was brilliant. She found the thing that is that is the thorn in the side of Naaman, and mm -hmm. um, and and told him the cure for it. Yeah. Um, and that's all she did is yeah. say that the good news is you could be healed um, by this man of God, and. Um, and so really, like, I think for us, that's translatable for 
for many reasons because we can think about many people we know and um, just where they're hurting, mm-hmm. um, ways that they are um, feeling the weight of the world. And that's a perfect opportunity to talk about the, the way they can be healed. Mm. When we were listening to this on Sunday, I, it was kind of helped answer a question for me. You know, people always talk about, okay, we don't want to focus on, you know, the characters of the Old Testament. We don't want to lift them up too high. But at the same time, we have a story like this where, you know, we have a character who has great importance and then they're given no title at all. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kind of it kind of helped me recognize the purpose in describing someone like Naaman, giving his name, talking about him being a mighty man of valor compared to the little girl with no title. Right. And then we think, as you're saying, we think we don't have the capacity or the ability in our own life to speak to people because we've not been given the authority or the position or have the relationship. That's right. Yeah. But it's like we have this story here where they – where the author could not have written it with more contrasting characteristics, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. the mighty man of valor and the little girl. Yeah. And yet the little girl has the confidence, um, the faith mm-hmm. in God to speak to the mighty man of valor, um, about God. And well, well to lead in this way to her mistress, to tell her, right. to, to tell her to take him. And so it's for us, it's, you know, I think it gives us that picture of like, we actually, always have the ability to, to communicate these things. It was yeah. just a reminder for me, why would the Bible contrast these two characters in this way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, so I just think thinking about that, we should look at our life and go, yeah, we actually, pretty much any relationship, if that's the standard of who can we share yeah. with, yeah, we, we, we can. It levels it all the way that yeah. Paul talks about it, where there's neither male nor female, yeah. you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, right? Like, like social constructions in that sense... Um, not that male and female is a social construction, but but that social constructions are uh, categorically <laughs> false <laughs> when it comes to when it comes yeah. to like who we just are as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a really important distinction. What I think is fascinating about this too is because I, I mean, just bringing it back to grace, I think that when people when people end up getting just overwhelmed by the grace of God. They have a, a a real life experience with the grace of God where they know that they've been forgiven from something and freed from something. They almost can't stop talking about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I wish I was more like that in some ways, <laughs> but, but um, I think about um, it's in Acts chapter four and, and, and the apostle Peter is talking to uh, some rulers who are, uh, you know, they're trying to like arrest them and things like that. And he says, we can't help but talk about the goodness right. of God. You know, like like, like what God has done in their life and how he has um, demonstrated this to them is so tangible, so real. He's like, oh my, why would we not? Like, you know, we can't help but, t- but just keep talking about it. Yeah. Um, and to me, I'm like, that's that's where I want to be. I, I want to be in that place where it's just like we're, you know, having a conversation with someone. All of a sudden, it just makes sense. Like, oh yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the grace of God mm-hmm. in this context and how that's affecting you. We just don't seem to want the uh, the other side of that, like the beginning of where it came from. You know, the the uh-huh. hardship of <laughs> of Peter. You know, yeah, that Peter messed up so badly, so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of have like the contrast where you have Judas who messed up so badly and took his own life and never mm-hmm. like never repented and but then you have Peter who's restored by yeah. the grace of God and that I mean that is a story to tell. Yeah. Um it's just sometimes we don't really wanna we don't wanna experience the thing that that 
allows us to see God's grace. Yeah. One of the things I hear sometimes from people is like, maybe they recognize the things that they've done wrong, right? And they yeah. see something in their past that they're just like, oh my goodness, I've done this and I can't believe that I've done that. And they'll say, I've had people tell me like, I know that God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of perplexed by that in some ways because, because um, if the God of the universe who holds the moral standard, right, and is perfectly just, perfectly righteous, is he, if he's declaring you righteous yeah. before him, then for you to hold on to that, that burden yourself is actually even more of an affront to God mm-hmm. in, in that sense. And I would point them back to like Romans 8, 1, where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. even condemnation from yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's not even there. That's that's condemnation that that is not there anymore yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to the Acts 4, just yeah. to kind of talk yeah, about yeah. the contrasting yeah. pictures here. So, you know, Acts 4, um, verse 13, I was just looking at this while you guys were chatting. This is how, um, so Peter and John, they're, they're before the Sanhedrin. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's so right. this is the this is the contrast. So you've got you know the religious leaders of the day, and then this is what verse th- verse thirteen says. It says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, mm-hmm. they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And then it carries on. This is the part you're talking about. So yeah. Sanhedrin, unschooled, ordinary men. Right. Contrast picture. Okay. All right. Then it says then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So they had healed this lame man. And then they're like, then they say, Hey, this was Jesus who did this, by the way, it wasn't us. Yeah. And they're like, okay, don't talk about Jesus anymore. <laughs> All right. Then their response is, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. Um, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So d- again, it's, it's contrasting characters mm-hmm. um, in this picture of they have the authority because it's the authority of Jesus to speak into these things. Right. Um, not because of their schooling, not because of their status. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually leads into, that's actually what Scott's second point was here, that grace is powerful, right? So when he was talking about grace is powerful, he pointed out that contrast between not just the girl in Naaman, but the girl and the king, Mm -hmm. right? The king of Israel, uh, who's supposed to be a spiritual leader, kind of the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel, um, actually is... uh, completely against the idea. So you look at verse six is where it starts. So, uh, well, at the middle of verse five. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. He brought the letter to the King of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you know that I have sent to name, uh, I sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He's like, no, clearly they're trying to like start a war, right? All right. So he has no faith, no faith in 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 God and what he can do. And actually, I mean, that's pretty characteristic of every king in Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel had 20 kings yeah. and all of them were wicked. And They're always tearing their clothes off. Do they just have poor fabric? 
Oh, I think it's just the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I think it's we're the missing cultural. the boat. We should when we get frustrated, we should just. <laughs> I know that needs to be our natural reaction and yeah. frustration. <gasps> you know, I've had I've had toddlers, you know, that did something completely outlandish. They'd find like the one thing that they knew would communicate mm. to me that they were at the end of their rope. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'd take something and pour it out on the floor and yeah. stare me straight in the oh. eyes the whole time. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I I don't know if this is. I'm just like te- you know, like I could tear this shirt off if I wanted to. Yeah. I bet you could if you were <laughs> real like. Oh my. We'll see. I believe Let's... I believe in you, Mitch. <laughs> I I believe in you. Sorry, I just... <laughs> Let's just take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but what we're seeing here is again this contrast, not just in the status, but the contrast in status is also met with a contrast in faith. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that is uh, really fascinating. That the one with the lower status is the one that really is the model of faith mm-hmm. in this whole story. Um, but isn't that always kind of the case, you know? Why is it that we see that kind of thing happen all throughout Scripture? Like the person with, you know, with no money, the person who is, you know, like 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 when you look at the Gospel of Luke and over and over again it talks about like, you know, blessed are the – he doesn't say blessed are the poor in spirit. He says blessed are the poor, you know, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and things like that. Like why, why does it seem to be that those who have – more, let's say, unfortunate circumstances tend to be the ones that have more, um, or they're more rich in faith. I just think of the passage that says that God uses the foolish to shame the wise. And yeah. you think of all these ways that he has shown his glory in crazy circumstances like um, yeah. Sarah not being able to bear children, being super old. Mm-hmm. Um, all those all those ways that he has brought about mm-hmm. His thing. I think it's to show us that, um, you know, we may think that we have achieved a level of glory that is spectacular, mm. but his glory goes beyond that. It becomes, it's yeah. another demonstration of how grace is unmerited, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not based on social status, mm-hmm. wealth, anything that we can see on the outside, but it's based on something That's deeper. Good. Yeah, it's a recognition of your need for God. Yeah. Uh, the, the simple answer to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's why it seems to appear that the poor you know, the downtrodden, they, they appear to be more willing to see God because they have a need for him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I, this will get us way on a rabbit trail, so I don't want to go there, but I was listening to a podcast last night. Um, Mark Sayers is a brilliant guy. If you've ever listened to him, talks a lot about culture in the church and what's going on. But he was saying that, um, historically in the history of the world, the only time that cultures begin to think from a, um, progressive, like individualistic lens yeah. is when they're very affluent. Yeah, yeah. He said the rest. Of the, he said in the history of the world, he said the only time cultures ever get in these debates, like, is when they're very affluent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when they don't, you know, when when you're thinking about how to take care of yourself, you know, to take care of your family, provide, get food on the table, like, you don't have time to think about these. Yeah, things. Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you think this is about like a like really just we're we're dealing with just daily provision. So there's yeah. like a trust, mm-hmm. like we, we need to rely on God to yeah. take care of those so, things. So that's kind of what I'm saying is again, I think for those that you have a, um, something in your life where you have a constant need to rely on God, mm-hmm. um, it's, you cannot control your own circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, even though none of us can, but it's perceived that we can. Yeah. I was going to say, it's all illusory at yeah, that point. Yep. You can, you can then faithfully walk with God, um, in those situations. And so I just think again, I just think that's that we find ourselves in these situations because we are so affluent, Mm -hmm. which is why we need to remind ourselves that God is the, 
you know, um, owner. He's the one that's responsible. Right. He's the one that's doing all these things in our life. That and we are dependent on him. I, and that goes for all. I mean, that goes for the leader of every church in America. Right. I mean, this is why we've seen church leaders fail, mm-hmm. you know, it's because they begin to think much of themselves. Yeah. They begin to stop listening to other people. They begin to stop listening to God and his word mm-hmm. because they think they're the one that's controlling this thing. Everything centers on them. So, right. okay. Say that guy's name again. Cause I'll have to listen to his podcast. He sounds pretty <laughs> yeah, smart. Well, it's Mark, yep. Mark Sayers. And again, I don't agree with everything he says. I pretty much have to say about is he everybody. The, what's the podcast? Again? Uh, he does a podcast called this cultural moment that's what it with is. John Mark Comer, yeah, yeah. but this was actually his rebuilders podcast. Okay. Um, dude says some brilliant stuff. He's the Australian, New Zealand yes. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude's just very, very smart. But, but again, I, he thinks at a level I don't. But yeah, it, it, we are so individualistic yeah. <laughs> that because we're affluent, yeah, and so we have the ability to think we can carry out our own circumstances. Those who can't, they're way quicker to rely on God. That's interesting. Mm, that's really interesting. I, yeah, I believe that. myself I have to say that you use the word illusory which yeah. I have never used and I'm so proud <laughs> oh well, well thank I you I love the vocab this is exciting there's three people on the podcast that picked up on that so that's thank, <laughs> thanks guys two of them are in the room <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, we all head nodded we're like nice throws out a good word <laughs> so um so yeah so what we've talked about here so far grace is shareable grace is powerful you talked about how grace is inclusive I don't know that we're going to get through all these because we're sure. running out of time but that's okay. Grace is inclusive. Um, so eight and nine. Um, uh, Ariel, would you read eight and nine there? Sure. Yeah. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come Should down. Asked, to me. How did you tear your clothes? It's <laughs> impressive. Do you have fingernails? <laughs> oh, why Sorry, have you torn I your just clothes? Just yes. Ruined the whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry. laughs> How did you do that? (laughs) Such a display. (laughs) Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this inclusiveness that's happening here where um, what he's getting to here is that, you know, Elisha does not go, first of all, in this, Elisha does not go to meet Naaman. Um, but Naaman, he's coming forward. He's got this whole band of, you know, this whole processional that's coming forward and he's kind of coming with the expectation that he's going to get healed. Like he's, he's coming like, all right, this little girl said so. I mean, to a certain extent, do you think that counts for something? I think like, that does I, Naaman I, have I, faith? It seems like a display of faith. It yeah. seems like it. Because, because, because on one side he is moving forward, but at the same time he's got all this money he's going to try to yeah. give him and all that sort. Of, I mean, what what's what might be happening here in Naaman's heart? I don't know, but the thing that I keep coming back to is the fact that these guys are enemies. Yeah, that's on true. paper, you yeah. know. And so I'm really like, it's just flooring me that we are seeing this crossing the border or whatever mm-hmm. to go back to enemy territory. He had just roughed these people up, and yeah. he's going back to ask to be healed. Maybe that's why he's taking so much wealth with him, hoping that he can buy them off or whatever. But maybe, um, I mean, I don't think there's a way to tell what's truly in his heart right here. But I think that's why grace is so amazing because honestly, we don't get to assign it, and yeah. and and this is another display of that. Yeah. What's fascinating, I think, I think you're right, and I think all through Scripture we see that inclusivity of God's grace to people that are unexpected, right? Right. And so. 
what I think is most fascinating about that is, I mean, we sort of expect that in the New Testament, you know, because mm-hmm. then we're like, okay, you got Paul and his mission to the Gentiles and all that stuff. But you even see that happening in the Old Testament, right? With uh, actually, it's kind of it's all, all over, over the place. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, even back in Abraham, um, Abraham's time, so uh, it says in, it's in, um, it's in chapter 17 when Abraham is given the covenant of circumcision, he's commanded to circumcise all of his, um, his servants, mm-hmm. uh, people that work for him and, and things like that. And that was actually a pretty large number of people. But if you think about who the nation of Israel was like, or who they were, I can speak. Um, they <laughs> illusory. <laughs> Make illusory. it up for the words. <laughs> yeah, thank you. you know? I got to balance it out. So, um, but if you think about who they were, they were people who um, were all descendants of Abraham, and so those servants were not necessarily included in that in that nation of Israel, mm-hmm. but they were included in the covenant. You know, yeah. which is fascinating. So, right from the very beginning, he would you have gathered the, them up, right? Like mm-hmm. there was the point where he had taken. People, not riches, right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right? Well, okay. and, and he was super wealthy. So, like, he yeah. had all these flocks and herds and had, had people to take care of them all. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, it is very inclusive. Well, I, I think I want to just kind of end with this one um, that grace is free, because this really pays in, plays into the whole thing of what, like, why he brought all this wealth and things like that. Um, why is it that? we then struggle so much with the idea of grace being unmerited <laughs> at the end of yeah. the day. Um, we try to make deals with God, you know? I mean, we all, we've all done it, right? I mean, I mean, or was I the only one when I was a kid and I was like, God, if you help me ace this test right now, I'll, yep. you know, <laughs> I'll serve you forever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like we all do that to a certain extent, yeah. right? So- mm-hmm. Why is why is a free grace so so difficult for us? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the obvious the obvious answer is sin. I mean, just to start there, sure. but mm-hmm. just the battle of you know um, sin and flesh and our desire, and there's this constant tension, you know, to be people that are made in the image of God that God puts, you know, in some level of oversight of the world, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. giving us, you know, dominion <laughs> per se, yeah. but then wanting to be the ones who actually own the world yeah. and everything. Um, and that's, that's what sin kind of taints that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly at battle with that. And yeah. we yeah. want credit for the things that we think we did, even though God is the only reason we did any of them. Right. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's the battle that that's at play. So when when we hear that something even like God's grace cost us nothing, um, we still want a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we want we either want to have you know the story, or we we want to have something um, that we brought to the table. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good because I think that's I mean at the root of it, it is sin and it is taking the image bearing gifts that we've been mm-hmm. given and using them for our own you know, advancement, our own glory rather than for God and mm-hmm. just putting ourselves in, in his place while he's given us, um, the opportunity to act on his behalf in the world. We, we tend to use that for our, our own, yeah, our own selfish gain. Yeah. One of the things Scott said on Sunday, I thought was really good. He said, God gives grace on his terms, not ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we, when we're making a deal with God, that's what we're doing. We're, we're giving the terms. Yeah. We're like, God bless me bless me. Here, here are my terms, you know? And, um, and we do this in subtle ways all the time. 
Um, but I think ultimately what, like maybe the stance that we need to have is more looking for the ways God has already blessed us, mm -hmm. looking for the blessings that he gives us every day and just being well, thankful and grateful. Um, and we could pray for things certainly, but, but it, all that comes from a place of dependency and trust, not a place of, um, you know, oh man, my life would be so much easier if I had yada, 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 or so much better if I had yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, it's placing our trust in, mm -hmm. in him and his provision. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's being, uh, you know, the, the posture needs to be faithfulness, yeah. not for the outcome. Cause I would even go one step farther when, when we are making a deal with God, which goodness, you know, we can talk about, we do it when we're kids. I mean, I do it probably at least weekly, <laughs> you know, it's some, yeah. some sort of prayer, yeah. but you know, when we're making a deal with God, not only are we, um, saying we want to make the terms, we're denying God's terms. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're saying that, God, these are the terms, and this is what I'll do if you do it this way. Um, Meaning that if you don't do it that way, then this isn't what I'm going to do anymore. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's a denial of, of what God's done to us. So, so the posture needs to be faithfulness for who God is, regardless of outcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which has been kind of, I think, a lot of what I've been saying the past two weeks. It's believing in God because of who he is, not because of the outcome that yeah. we want to see happen. Yeah, it's loving God, not his stuff, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I find myself in that situation often, most recently, because we're looking for, we're just looking for a house, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't need a new house. We're just looking for one. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, well, why hasn't it happened yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but when we're in those situations, I, I mean, I've, I've really found myself asking, God, do I truly believe that what you want is way better than anything I could plan or think or imagine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I'm like, do I really believe that? Even mm -hmm. if, I mean, if it means, you know, I don't get what I want, I don't get the thing that I had my eye on, or I don't, mm -hmm. um, if I'm completely without that, if you never even come back to that subject with me again, mm -hmm. um, am I okay with that? Because mm -hmm. I know that I trust you and you are so good. Yeah. I think that's the way the relationship that we have with God has to be, because if if God ever, let's say, let's say grace was not unmerited, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if his favor on us was something that we could earn, man, the relationship that we would have with God would be so, so transactional. Mm -hmm. It would be actually we're the ones in charge and God is not. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, but, but yeah, God, God doesn't play those games with us. And I'm really thankful that he doesn't play those games with us, mm -hmm. um, but that we really are brought back consistently to a just dependency and trust in him. Um, and, and that's, I think that's what we see here in, in Naaman's life as well. He really um, gets humbled. He's angry, but he gets humbled <laughs> in, in this. And he ends up, if you read on later, and I would encourage you to keep reading the rest of this chapter, because you see how um, he <laughs> actually becomes more of a, of an advocate for for God and his mercy, yeah, which is yeah. really interesting how God did that. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. And um, I'm so glad that we get to keep having these conversations together. Um, I think it's super awesome. Um, and I've really loved this passage too. I think this is this was so helpful to talk through just grace and what this, what this means. So um, again, if this was helpful to you or uh, if you have questions, about the things that we talk about here on the podcast, reach out to us. We would love to chat with you about it. Um, and uh, next week, Mitch, you said uh, Scott's preaching, but he's talking, it's Labor Day, so we're going to talk about work. Work, 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 Okay. Work, work. <laughs> I don't know if that's an appropriate song to have in there. That's all I know about the song. That's a song? That, I don't know yeah, what that is. It is. Some, well, you're like a young, young and cooler than we are, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> 30. <laughs> 
Well, we're looking forward to that for next week. So we'll see you then on the Sunday recap. <laughs>